What's up, Revolution? Bring it on in. I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, we've got some announcements. I've never done this before, so it's going to be interesting. Um, baptism, all right? Um, right off the rip, baptism, if you guys uh, want to be baptized or you want to know what that means and you've not been baptized or you're new to the church and you just want to know, like I said, what that means, um, what it symbolizes, what that does, if it does anything, um, please come talk to me or that beautiful bald-headed man back there, Ryan, or uh, Corey, or anyone you're going to see up here tonight if you guys are interested in being baptized. I mean, it's something we should do. It's something we're commanded to do in Scripture. It's how we make a public declaration of our faith. Um, and it's just a, it's a beautiful thing. All right, so if you guys are interested in that, please, uh, please get a hold of one of us. Um, and also, if you, if you want to be baptized, um, and you've already met with one of us, and, and you're, you're going to do it, uh, the week before Easter, so I think it's April 13th, uh, after church, we're going to have a meeting here. It'll be just a short meeting. We're going to be talking about um, what baptism means and, you know, if you're ready to do it, if that's something that you want to do, make sure that you're in so that you don't like, get cold feet and not want to get dunked or whatever. Um, and also, uh, on April 20th, we are having service on Easter. I don't know why anyone would think that we weren't. We just wanted to clarify that. Um, definitely, we're Christians. We have service on Easter. Um, and it's going to be a baptism service. And after that, we're going to have communion. Uh, and during, I think we're going to have communion. We're going to do something with communion at some point, right? Yes. Cool. All right, yeah. Um, so that's going to be going on on Easter. And um, the core membership, all right, if any of you guys haven't filled out your assessment forms, we need them like last week. So please turn them in. And if any of you are, are, don't know what the core membership is and you're interested, please get a hold of anyone here on the stage um, this evening. And we got some stuff we want you to fill out. If you think that Revolution is your home and you want to consider yourself like an official member here and get to work um, actually doing stuff for the kingdom. Um, so that's all the announcements I got. If anyone can remind me of anything else I need to say, we're good? Cool. All right, so... Uh, I guess we're going to take 30 seconds, and I want you guys to find someone you don't know, introduce yourself. I don't have any funny, witty thing for you to say. Just don't be a jerk and tell them hello, and you're glad they're here. So do it, Jim. What's up, Revolution? There we go. That's a little bit better. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. Um, all right, so tonight we're going to be in Matthew 25, familiar text. If you've been to Revolution for like any stretch of time, um, go ahead and turn there. That's page 595 in the blue Bibles. Those blue Bibles sitting on your chair, under your chair, wherever. Those, uh, those are yours to keep. If you, uh, if you need a Bible, if the Bible you have is difficult to read, we think this one's pretty easy to read. We think it's a faithful translation. And uh, part of what we want for you guys is to be in Scripture uh, all the time, every day. So if this, if you like this Bible, if, if you think it'll help you to be in Scripture more, take it with you. It's our gift to you. Um, tonight we're talking about social justice, which... Uh, here at Revolution, we, we really 
want to stress the importance of, of social justice. And tonight I, I want to talk about what that is. I want to talk about why we do these things and, and how do we do this properly. So uh, over the past few weeks I've been studying social justice and scripture, and, and I kind of came up with a definition that I will be working from tonight. There are a lot of different definitions of social justice, uh, both in the secular world and in the church world, and uh, I just kind of want to clarify where I'm coming from, what I'm thinking about whenever I talk about social justice tonight. So the definition that I have worked up is that followers of Christ have a moral obligation to care for the widows, the fatherless, the sojourners, and the defenseless of society. God recognizes that there is oppression, starvation, abuse, genocide, infanticide, greed, corruption, and and dehumanization of people, and, and, and more and more evils than we can even comprehend. Like Romans 1 says that we will continue to make up new evils like that's how evil we are as a people that we will continue to make up new ways of doing evil but the simple fact is that we are a fallen creation that's the whole reason why there are fatherless why there are widows why there's death at all we're a fallen creation we're broken and much like how god has made his provision for our sin on the cross He's made a provision in this life, both in the Old and New Testament, to take care of those who are the least among us, as as, uh, Matthew 25 says. So what what kind of stuff can this include? Uh, This can include uh, poverty. This can include abortion. This can include racial prejudice. This can include human trafficking. This can uh, just be people that are brokenhearted, people that are just down on their luck. This can be about more powerful people taking advantage of less powerful people. This can be any number of things. So with that in mind, let's jump into Matthew 25. We're looking at verses 31 through 46. I think Corey's going to have it up on the screen, and then you can also follow along in the Blue Bible. Page 595, starting in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence, and he will separate the people, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep at his right hand, and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the, de- for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, and you didn't give me drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked, and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. And they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So Jesus is actually saying in this text right here that if we do not care for the sick and the hurting and, and, and uh, the, the fatherless, that we are not his followers. It's as simple as that. If we don't do this, we are not his followers. There's no way. We can't possibly be followers of Christ without caring for the downtrodden. It's, it's a requirement. Um, but there, there is a way to look at biblical social justice and the social justice that the world thinks of. You know, we have plenty of social welfare programs. We have plenty of food programs uh, in the United States. There are tons of them internationally where, where people are donating money. People are donating food, and it's being sent to places. And there's, there's nothing wrong with these things. We have social security. We have Medicaid. We have disability. These are great things. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus isn't just talking about taking care of people's physical needs. And I can say this because if we look in chapter 28, we're not going to turn there, but he commands his disciples to make disciples of all nations, right? That he's saying, go out and make more followers. This is the Great Commission. This is what we've been talking about for weeks. And so... It's more than just serving food to the homeless or, or giving groceries to a single mother. It's more than uh, just helping somebody out who's struggling to get by. You know, they need Jesus too. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? So if we, if we provide for people's physical needs and know that they have a spiritual need and we have the answer to it and we we don't address that, then what good was it to even feed them in the first place, to be honest? If we, if we don't address their spiritual needs at all, and knowing that they could spend eternity in hell because they have no clue about Jesus, or they, they have no clue that they're even horrible, sinful people, then how, how, how are we going to just go and, and feed them and just carry on with our lives? How can we know that and and not share the gospel in that moment? Turn to Galatians 2, 9, and 10 real quick. That's on uh, page 701. It says, this is Paul writing here. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who are known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift of God, the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. 
they encouraged us to help to keep preaching to the Gospels while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. So Paul's got, Paul's got two priorities here, and that's to preach the gospel and help the poor. Those are his two priorities in his ministry to Galatia. Those are the two things he needs to accomplish. Those two, those two things are, are hand in hand. They don't get separated. They're part of the same thing. And, and just like whenever Jesus performed miracles all through uh, the Gospels, he always made a connection to the kingdom that is coming. Always. Whenever he performed miracles, he was showing people that there's more than just what is going on physically here. Whenever I heal you, it is uh, foreshadowing of how everything will be brought back into reconciliation with God, that everything will be made right again. And so, whenever we care for the downtrodden, whenever we're uh, providing for the poor, whenever we're giving people food, whenever we're loving people um, actively, we're also pointing to the gospel. We're also pointing to the redemption of creation that's, that's to come. Uh, Friday night, we had a little cookout down the East End, and it was a good time. Um, it's been so cold this winter that we just haven't been able to do stuff down there. And, uh, and it was just awesome to have great weather, and we had uh, an awesome weekend doing a couple different uh, service projects. Um, but Friday night, we had a little cookout, and, and some of the kids that we like play kickball with in our neighborhood came over, and they... they they always like, I think they can smell hot dogs on a grill from a mile away. Um, we don't even have to put up a sign or go looking for them like they're just going to show up. Um, but, you know, and they'll eat like four hot dogs and they'll take two of them home with them. Um, but what good is it if we were just down there passing out food and I know that uh, these kids are, are just going to be hungry again tomorrow? I mean, what good is that? But I was actually able to sit down with, with one of the boys in particular and just talk with him. And, and he was talking about, like, bullies at school. And it just hurt my heart because this is, like, the nicest, cutest little kid ever. And he's getting bullied at school, and I just, I hated it. And, and I, I remember what that was like for me. I remembered being bullied myself and being able to sit down and talk with him and and share with him while he's eating his hot dog about how, like, we don't have to worry about what they think. We don't have to worry about somebody picking on us because Jesus has promised us. He's given us a hope that at the the end of time, it's all going to be made better, that every tear will be wiped away, that every hurt will be healed. And we just had a really good conversation. We've We've been able to talk with him over the past six months or so and, and, and just give little snippets of the gospel here and there as we go. And it was just awesome to have that conversation. But if we didn't do that, I know, I know AJ gets to have conversations. All, AJ and Steve talked to people for like 45 minutes the other night. 
And it's just awesome that we, we've had this opportunity to share the gospel. But if we didn't do that, we're essentially just making people's bellies full for one more night. That's all we're doing. And frankly, that would be a waste of our time if we didn't share lasting spiritual truth. And so all of our, all of our opportunities here at Revolution, at, uh, at Christ Community, down in the East End, um, these are all opportunities geared towards providing you a, a, a place and a time and, and an opportunity to share the gospel with people. You know, that's the whole reason we did, we do Father's Table. It's the whole reason that we have free markets. It's the whole reason that uh, we help college kids move in in August. It's, it's the whole reason that we have East End events. It's the whole reason we pick up trash down in the East End. There's, it's the whole reason why there's a single parents fair here. Is an opportunity to share the gospel with people. Because helping them with their physical needs doesn't help them in the long run. You following me? Uh, actually, I, I used to go to this little thing called Theology on Tap over at Port City. It's just a bunch of people from different denominations that get together and, and talk about theology and stuff. And and one time, Caleb and I were there, and, and uh, we were talking about, like, what can we do to improve our community? And people were talking about, oh, we need to, we need to create jobs. We need to, like, help people get out of drug addiction. We need to uh, help people get education, things like this. And, and Caleb and I were getting kind of frustrated because being outspoken, uh, I guess, young, dumb, reformed guys, like, we're like, no, actually, that's all great, but if there's not the gospel, if, if there's not heart change, then that doesn't do anything. That doesn't help anyone, really. People are still going to be messed up in the heart. People are still going to be sinful. And if they don't have Jesus, then, I mean, we've just made their lives a little bit more comfortable until the end. And it was frustrating for basically everybody was like, oh, that's good. But we really need to create jobs. And we were, I, frustrated is like the nicest word I can use. Um, but it's, it's the gospel that heals brokenness. It's the gospel that overcomes pain and suffering. It attacks the problem at its root. It doesn't, it's not like a tree that produces rotten fruit or whatever, and it doesn't just cut it off and then think that it's going to grow back good fruit. No, it, it treats it at the root of the problem. Um, pastor Dave Dunham, who who used to be a pastor here, his wife had some, had some medical issues for a long time, is still kind of battling those, I believe. Um, and they, I mean, they went to doctors for like a year, different doctors, and, and all they would do is treat the symptoms. Oh, you're having this pain. Here's this, uh, here's this medication. Oh, here's this, uh, this dietary change you need to make. Um, they had no idea what was wrong with her. They had no idea what her problem was, what her ailment was. And they just kept treating the symptoms the whole time. And, and Dave just talked to me one time about being really frustrated that, 
Like, we're not getting to the bottom of anything. We're a year in. We've spent a bunch of money on health uh, care, and we've gotten nowhere. Uh, and all Krista just takes a bunch of medication now. Like, we, it hasn't really done anything. And I know there are a couple other people in here that have had similar circumstances to where the doctors just treat the symptoms, not the heart of what's wrong. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel attacks the heart of the issue, which is our own sinful hearts. Christ dying on the cross as payment for our sin and reconciling us to God, giving us a new heart, making us a new creation, is is where that change comes from, is where that healing comes from. So it's asinine to think that giving somebody clothes or food makes any real eternal difference. You know, people need to hear the gospel. And that's, that's just uh, the plain and simple part about it. But the great thing about this is that we, we can do this anywhere. We can serve people and love people and, and, and live out this social justice in any part of your life. We come from all different areas. Some of us are college students. Some of us are young professionals. Some of us uh, are like stay-at-home moms. Some of us are, uh, are older couples. Some of us have a bunch of kids. We're all different. We're in all different places. But we can, we can actually live this out anywhere. So you can do this at work by supporting a coworker that's that's going through a rough time. Uh, at Ryan and I's work, a couple guys just in the last few weeks have just had not good weeks, right? They've just uh, not been having a good go at it. And and one guy in particular, we've been able to talk with him, and 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 he knows that we're here for him, and and he knows that uh, we're open to listen to what he's dealing with. or we're open to give him answers about the Bible uh, and what it says about what, what he's going through. And that's just been an awesome experience to, to be able to, to talk with him and, and share the gospel with him. Um, but as we do this, as we serve others that we work with or, or whatever, and, uh, we have to be ready, like First Peter says, to give an account, give a defense, uh, a reason for the hope that we have. So if we, if I know, you know, a guy at work's having a, having a rough time, needs some money to pay a bill, if I just give him 20 bucks or whatever, like, and I don't share anything about the reason why I would have any desire to help him out, then what's the point? I helped him pay a bill once. So you can also do this by just driving through town. I know a couple of guys uh, here who just randomly saw a guy on the side of the road and be like, he looks hungry. So they went and got him some food and, and were able to talk to him and, and, uh, and that's awesome. You guys can do that too. You can serve kids in the area by joining like big brothers or big sisters and, and being prepared to share your faith with them and, and mentor them and love them and, and show them uh, love in, in a way that only only Jesus could to, to show them that hope that you have. But we physically and verbally share the gospel with them. That's the key. We can do this in so many different ways. And so it's important for us to just be where we are in our lives. We can be 
in our different positions because God's placed us there for a reason to share the gospel with those around us. It's very important. You don't have to drive to Columbus to go work at a homeless shelter or you don't have to uh, necessarily go overseas and be a missionary like there's work to be done right here in your life. You are surrounded by people that are hurting and you have the message of hope in Christ and you can share that. And so um, I just wanted to share five things that I think is necessary for us to do this the right way. If we're going to really, uh, really help people both physically and spiritually, we, we need to do these five things. And the first one is that we have to love God to begin with. Like, we have to be in love with the Lord. Just like Jesus said, the two greatest commandments, what were they? Love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. As my youth pastor in high school always used to tell me, you can't do number two without doing number one. Right? Think about it. Just not possible. So in Isaiah 1, the Lord actually tells the Jewish people that the reason that they're not caring for the poor, the reason that they're, they are uh, not caring for the defenseless is because they're not really following the Lord. I encourage you to look at Isaiah, especially chapter 1 there. He's like, hey, the reason you're not following my commandments, the reason you're not taking care of people is because you don't follow me at all. You think you do because you're Jewish. You think you're God's chosen people, but some of you aren't acting like it. And the reason you're not acting like it is because you're not one of my followers. That's harsh. That is tough to deal with and hear. He wants true worship. He wants true sacrifice and service. Uh, Number two, if we truly desire to love and care for the least among us, we have to strive to live in a way that is consistent with that notion, with that effort. Uh, Pastor David Platt puts it this way in an interview about social justice. Fighting sex trafficking while looking at porn, for instance, is an ironic and tragic double standard. If we're going to fight poverty and still live extravagant lifestyles, that's a contradictory. If we're going to fight abortion, we can't be sleeping around and having sex outside of marriage. We have to be consistent. If we're going to fight this, if we're going to make any kind of difference for the gospel over these issues that are like sex trafficking and and abortion uh, are huge issues right now. And it's, it's Christians that are leading that battle. And if we're going to fight that, we have to live consistently with that. We have to know that whenever we uh, support pornography, that we're like supporting sex trafficking. We have to know that. We have to be aware of that. We have to battle that. So living consistently is a testament of how the gospel has changed our lives. From living a life that's focused on us to living a life that's focused on serving the Lord and serving others. Uh, Number three, we need to know how we can provide for people's needs. Um, Is Dick Edgington here? 
I, a couple months ago, Dick shared on our Facebook page about how, like, he came out of work one night, and there was a, a homeless guy out there, and, and he was like, oh, I'm going to go buy that guy food. And he went and bought him food, and he, and he went to give it to him, and the guy, like, didn't even really say anything. And, uh, and, and Dick just realized out of nowhere, like, oh, I didn't pray about this. I didn't talk to this guy ahead of time. I, <laughs> this guy's cold. It's like 20 degrees out, and he's freezing. He wants to go inside. He doesn't want food. Like, he doesn't need food right now. Or if he does, it's secondary to the fact that he's about to freeze to death. So, and he just shared on our Facebook page, encouraging us that if we're going to try to help somebody, that we should find out what they need help with first. We need to actually know what we're doing. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time and wasting our resources and wasting their time too. A lot of times we think that we have the answer to life's problems for other people and we don't know them at all. Uh, talking to Sean and Jen from uh, our, our missionaries to Africa, they just shared story after story of rich Americans sending a bunch of money over to support some cause or effort and they just completely screw it up. Like, they don't even do it the right way. They don't, they don't address any people's uh, needs. They, they kind of, they just don't ask first. They don't seek out the people that actually need they just do what they think is right, not knowing the culture, not knowing what they're going through. And so that needs to be our pursuit as well. And the important part about this is what? That we actually build a relationship with this person. It's not just, hey, man, what do you need? I'll go, oh, you're hungry? I'll go get you some groceries. It's not just that but that we would build a relationship with them, that we would actually grow to love and care for them. And, and, and this gives us the ability to, to gear the gospel toward their life. What are they struggling with? What, what, what things have happened in their life? What aspects of the gospel are going to particularly strike uh, their heart? That's important. We have to know what they're dealing with. We have to get on their level. We need to truly uh, love them in that way. Otherwise, we're just wasting both of our times. Number four, we need to serve with humility. Let's look at Matthew 6, 1 through 4 real quick. All right. That's page 580. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it do as, a hip, as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and, and the streets to call attention to their acts of, of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward that they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So we, we have to keep in mind that we don't do this just to get attention. That's, um, that's as you say, um, you're not doing it right, right? Um, that we are actually doing this 
out of response to the gospel, not because we think it's like the right thing to do or, or um, it makes us feel emotional or we get attention from others or people think we're holy or whatever. Um, that's, that's not the way that we're supposed to go about it, which leads directly into our fifth point, that we have to realize that these works are not our salvation. That's the most important point. The things that we do for others is not our salvation. We can give food to the starving. We can give money to the impoverished. We can work at a homeless shelter. You can do all these things. You can even share the gospel with thousands and thousands of people. And if Jesus is not your salvation, then you don't have salvation. If Christ is not the one that took your punishment... If he's not your righteousness, then you don't have any. It's just the way it is. Our reconciliation to God is is only through Jesus. So our righteousness gets us nowhere. We just can't do enough. We can't do enough. So we can talk about social justice all we want. We can talk about serving others and, and loving others tangibly. But if Christ is not the reason that we do it, then... We're not doing it for the right reason. And so, when we're saved, we actually are are changed from being uh, self-worshippers to being God-worshippers. That as as God actually equates love of our neighbors to love of him, like we just talked about. That whenever we love people, whenever we care for them, that we are showing our love for God. And so... Acts of social justice are, are proof of our redemption. They're not, they're not our redemption. They're just proof of it. Just like uh, James says, faith without works is dead. It's dead. So if we're not willing to love those around us, Jesus says in Matthew 25 that we're not his. And so now it's our job to go out and tell the world about the Redeemer. The Savior. It's it's uh, it's our job to show this through our actions and through our words. Both have to be there. And I, I just pray that we would be bold. That we would be willing to put ourselves in uncomfortable situations. That we would be willing to put ourselves around heartbreak. That we would be willing to uh, sacrifice for people who need it people that need Jesus most of all. I, I want to leave you with one, one last thing. Uh, Pastor David Platt, like I mentioned earlier, his church has an unofficial motto, and it's that uh, as we work for justice in the world, we speak clearly about the judge of the world. That whenever we actually work for justice, that we are showing an almighty judge who will take care of it in the end that we offer temporary relief but that God offers eternal reconciliation to him and so I pray that we would we would go out and do this this week that it wouldn't stop here that it wouldn't stop with a smile here in this room and shaking each other's hands and saying like hey how are you doing and then everything gets put off until next week whenever you ask how they're doing next week can't stop here. It's got to go out there. So let's pray.
Father God, we pray that uh, tonight you would break our hearts for the gospel. That we would respond to what you've done on the cross with love for others, with sacrifice for others. God, I pray that you would make us bold. You would give us the strength to to serve um, those who are in need. To give up what we have access of and give it to others in the name of Jesus. That that would be our goal. That they would know you. That we may be able to help take care of momentary physical struggle here, but that we could also share the truth that takes care of uh, eternal spiritual trouble. God, I pray that um, tonight through worship we can lay it down, that we would be convicted of this, and that through this worship it would empower us to go out into this world and, and truly love and serve you and serve others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.